time. Meat and Cheese Week is over. We are on to the Ravens. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us again. As you can see, we are down a man tonight. Alec was not able to make it, but that's okay because you're still in good hands. You got Dustin on this side of me. I do that every time. I can never get that right. You're on the screen. We're here. Make sure if you want more of us, subscribe to YouTube. Big Al's Big Five is really heating up. Sean was perfect this week. He will be back. I actually had a good gambling weekend and somehow still lost in the Big Five. So Sean will be back this week to go over this slate of games that we will get into in a little bit. A little bit of a different format tonight, so we probably won't have a takeoff, which since we won't, I kind of had something I wanted to talk about. So let's get into the news and notes. But first, we do have a bit of breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story. Breaking news. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen right now. So, Dustin, I don't know if you've heard this story, but uh, my take this week was going to be Urban Meyer's the first coach fired. That was going to be my takeoff take, which isn't that spicy, but, I mean, he just looks defeated. I don't know if you saw this story. Josh Lambeau, kicker, came out and said that during a training camp practice – I'll see if I can bring up the story while I try to explain this. Apparently, during training camp, Urban Meyer kicked – Josh Lambeau, he kicked the kicker, and I'm trying to figure out what the quotes are. So this is according to Josh Lambeau, quote, I'm in a lunge position, left leg forward, right leg back, uh, and then unquote, Urban Meyer, while I'm in that stretch position, comes up to me and says, hey, dipshit, make your bleeping kicks, and kicks me in the leg. I... Look, I don't know why this guy is still employed. He looks absolutely miserable. And at this point, it it's not a hot take because that's a fireable offense. With all the BS that comes with Urban Meyer, now he's kicking players? These are grown-ass men. You cannot treat – first of all, you shouldn't treat anybody like that. But you can't treat grown-ass men like this. Dustin, your thoughts. Dude's a clown. That's all I gotta say. Oh. He's a he's a just a clown. This of dude the highest order. How how he got this job in the first place is beyond me. I, I hated it right away. I didn't like it. Sure, he was successful in college. Who the hell cares? Usually zero college coaches that come to the NFL are successful. It just happens every time. Look at Nick Saban. He was not successful in the NFL. Pete Carroll. Just, I mean, Pete Carroll, yeah, sure. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. We can say, yeah, sure, but Pete Carroll is a Super Bowl champion. That happened. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only example you could give. But everyone else was, even like I said, like Nick Saban, like you look at him, just didn't really do anything. But, yeah, Yeah. this dude, he's going to get fired, and I don't think it's a shock to anybody at this point. No, and he'll be first coach fired. I think they're going to – the Bears get into the Yeah, I'll say Nagy Nagy and Meyer will be pretty damn close if he gets fired. At this point, after this story comes out, how can Jags ownership be like, okay, we're going to ride out the season with this guy? Like, And obviously they know this stuff is going on, but now there's going to be this public pressure from, I guess, the three Jags fans that exist. But there's going to be pressure to get this guy off. He doesn't want to be there. I don't know if you saw his press conference over the weekend, but 
in his post-game press conference, they, there's a reporter laid into him. Like, your offensive line is being paid X amount, like hundreds of millions of dollars, and they are not playing well. They're getting their ass beat. And this that was what the reporter said. I was actually kind of shocked. And this was Urban Meyer's response. And I kid you not, word for word, he looked at the reporter and said, yeah. That was it. That was his answer to why is your offensive line sucking? Yeah, they suck. He doesn't want to be there. And actually, the post-game handshake, I don't, again, I don't know why we're talking so much Jags after Bears week, but it is kind of a breaking story. I, I'm i pretty sure Mike Vrabel went across the field to shake his hand. And, I, I mean, the audio listeners, you're not going to be able to see this. I'll try and demonstrate on stream. He literally just was like, Gave no him a little limp fish, yeah. Limp fish handshake, dead face, just he's got dead eyes. He does not want to be there. He can keep saying, oh, I want to turn the culture around. No, you don't. It's on your face. Anyone with eyes can see that. So that's our breaking news story. And it's just, it's outrageous. And that's why I wanted to lead the show with it, because this just came out and maybe an hour ago. But, man, that is absolutely ridiculous. But let's get into happier stuff. Let's start with this week's News and Notes from the League. All right, we'll get to the game in a second, but Packers news. Enough Jags talk. I'm just so sick of Urban Meyer. David Bakhtiari, after getting his knee cleaned out again, was back at practice today in a limited capacity. MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, was also limited today with a back injury. And Jair was out there again, so I guess there's potential to play. We don't really know the extent of his injury right now. But Bakhtiari being back, that line is so thin, especially now that they lost Billy Turner, who did not practice today. (laughs) Yosh Neiman's actually been pretty good, all things considered, for a backup tackle. But God, God almighty, do they need Bakhtiari back. Yeah. And, and sorry, not to cut you off, but now they're thin at wide receiver, too, if MVS can't go. Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's starting to get to the point of the season where people are starting to get injured. It's starting to turn into a long season. And, you know, we, we need everyone back that we can, all hands on deck. You know, obviously Bakhtiari, like you said, is going to help a lot. I mean, like you said, Neiman's doing a good job of just, you know, pretty much being okay, like decent. I think yeah. his, this last game with the Bears was probably his worst game he's played so far. And he but, was still better than most. Yeah, I mean, definitely still better than most. But, yeah, definitely having Bakhtiari will help. And, obviously, if Jair comes back, that would be a huge help to our defense. I just hope that – they don't rush him back because really, like, if you can let him rest till the end of the season and have him for postseason, that's perfect. Like, that's all we need. Well, and I was actually going to bring this up tonight. I was thinking about it. The way Douglas is playing and the way Stokes is playing and Sullivan's been fine, really they have the one weak spot being Henry Black. He's really the only weak spot in that secondary right now. So if why rush him back, especially for a game like this week? The Ravens are really thin at receiver. Sammy Watkins was limited today. And Marquise Brown doesn't scare you. Mark Andrews scares you the most, I guess. But the quarterback's injured. Lamar is didn't he's day-to-day. He didn't practice today. 
So what's the point of rushing him back, especially for a weak receiving court? Save him. You need him in January and potentially February. You don't you don't need him right now. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it right there with going against a you know banged up Ravens team who you're not sure what you're gonna see on Sunday. I mean, there's no point in bringing him back for this week if especially if you're not gonna get Lamar. Sammy Watkins or Brown or any of those guys and just Andrews, like let your defense right now handle it because they're playing well. Like yeah. rely rely on them and just let them heal. That's really all. And that, that's all that's all these guys. I mean, they need they need some offensive line help. MVS, he's been banged up all year. It it, it is what it is. They brought up Juwan Winfrey from the practice squad who looked decent in the one game he played in Arizona. Okay, fine. I mean, MVS is fine. It's not a huge drop-off, but, I mean, they're thin at receiver, but they've been thin at receiver for three years now, so that's not surprising. Yeah. But, yeah, especially in that, that secondary that's playing so well, and they are so gelled right now. There's no no need. Save him. He's going to be so important to you come January. But let's before we did a lot of looking ahead already, and we're going to get there and do a little more detailed analysis of that, but first, we got to look back in this week. What just happened? Time to roll back the tape. Here's this week's Game Rewind. All I want to know if you got your popcorn ready. All right. Good team win. Great teams cover. Packers win by 15. Covered the spread. They were 12.5 point favorites. And actually, that line went down to 11 by kickoff, which I was surprised by. But Packers win. Packers cover. Aaron Rodgers had a very nice game, 29 for 37, 341 yards, and four touchdowns. Justin Fields, his opposition, 18 to 33, 224 yards passing, also had a very nice day on the ground. Two touchdowns, two picks, and the thing that I thought was kind of strange was that Justin Fields is the leading rusher for the Bears with – I have to look it up now. I didn't write that down. He had nine carries for 74 yards. A.J. Dillon, 15 for 71. So Justin Fields was the leading rusher of the game, which I thought was kind of a strange thing. Look, offense looked fine. Defense was a little shaky in the beginning, but the offense was able to match. Let's just get into it. This special teams, something has to change. We've been talking about this for weeks. That was embarrassing. You can get you can get away with that against the crappy Bears team. When it's January, think about okay, Packer Nation, we're gonna rip open this wound. Think about how important special teams are come January. Do you recall the NFC championship in Seattle? Fake okay, it starts with a fake field goal that they score on. Okay, fine. One mistake, they're playing well in that game, whatever. One mistake, blah blah blah. Onside kick. Off his head. I don't even remember who that was. He's not even in the universe. He's in hiding because Green Bay fans shame that guy. I don't even Was I, that Richard Rodgers? No, it was um oh, shit. Bostic? Yeah, Bostic, yeah. Brandon Bostic, tight end. He was like a third string tight end. Right off his helmet. That's two special teams mistakes. They lose. They're at home. Seattle goes to the Super Bowl. Then this past weekend, I just there are so many. Oh, it, I, I don't, I'm so infuriated by this team and well, the, really the special teams, not so much the defense and offense. It's going to cost you, and we've seen it cost you before. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it's it's a lot. Like, it, it makes my head hurt just watching that come again. Like, we talked before this. It is complete dog shit and what they're doing in special teams. Like, I don't I, I don't know how you describe it besides just complete dog shit. Like, your professional athletes who are paid to do your special team's job and you cannot do it for the whole life of you. Like, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's the players. Like, who do you blame? Like, who do you blame? Like, it's just it's an embarrassment when you let it was a two kick returns for a touchdown, right? One, one kickoff and one punt. I mean the whole game and I don't have the stat, that particular stat in front of me. They started just about every drive at the 40 and then Crosby kicked one out of bounds. Yeah. Throw that into the mix. Yeah. It's just, it's an embarrassment. I mean, and then the onside kick, which I mean, really like what the hell was happening? That whole thing. Like once you see go over the head, like, first of all, like someone's got to be getting underneath it and calling fair catch or at least landing on the ball. I mean, it wasn't like I, I think they threw MVS there and not realizing that he probably wasn't a great guy for that spot, seeing he has terrible hands just catching the ball normally. Yeah. I, here's okay. We can get into this. I'm just, it's hard to pick one place to start because I have a lot of complaints and I was fired up mainly because the Bears were threatening to cover and I didn't want that to happen. But I just, I don't understand why Amari Rogers is still back there. That experiment has failed. He muffed another kick this week. And I don't know, again, I'm sorry for the audio listener. He tried to catch that ball like this. Who in the history of football and kick returning has fielded a punt like this? It is absurd to me. Why? And I heard this on a different Packers podcast today. Why not throw Lazard back there? He apparently did punt returns in college. He doesn't doesn't have to take hits. Just have him back there to, at this point, fair catch and just catch the GD ball because it is becoming absurd. These are professional athletes. Catch the freaking football. You are a professional receiver. The punt is coming down from on high. Yes, I get it. And there's gladiators running at you as fast as they can to hit you as hard. Okay, it's scary. I get that. Toughen up. You are professionals. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think I have to elaborate on that one. I think you kind of nailed it. Just I catch, mean, catch the freaking ball. Like it's not that hard. It's not okay. So all that aside, okay, catch the god-forsaken football. Okay, that's one thing. Who's tackling? I know Jakeem Grant literally is an Olympic sprinter. He tried out for the Olympics. The dude can fly. I get that, but. Every team you are going to play come January has got dudes like that. And if there's one weakness of this defense is that over the top ball, they have been burned on deep balls, which you can make an argument. Okay. Take your chances deep because really, I mean, chances are it's going to be incomplete, going to be broken up. Or I mean, worst case scenario, you get a DPI pass interference or they catch it. And that's a big play. Okay, but how often does that actually happen? But the counterpoint is, well, Tom Brady could throw a deep ball yet, which is just absurd at 44. Mahomes, if you see him come January, he can throw the deep ball. There's, I'm trying to think, Kyler Murray, that's all they do. I mean, that's the new offense, throw it deep, because there's a chance he's going to catch it or you're going to get all those yards anyway because of DPI. And it just... So anyway, speed seems to be an issue for this team. But Khalil Herbert, the backup running back for the Bears, 
literally would take kick returns from the end zone and had no fear and just went to the 40. It makes my head hurt. And you can tell I'm fired up about this because the Packers special teams has been solid for years. We have not had to worry about it. I don't know who the hell is in charge. I believe it's Mo Drayton. That dude needs to pack his bags and hit the road like yesterday. Yeah, it's funny because, like, we released our last special teams coordinator who, like, everyone thought, oh, this dude sucks, like, he's bad, and then we get this guy, and it was, it's just become an absolute shit show, like, nothing, nothing's going right, everything's going the wrong direction, like, yeah, like, there's nothing else to say besides he's going to get fired and there's going to be a new special teams coordinator again. I, and, and, look, I understand they're not going to fire someone midseason, but if there is ever an example this is a Super Bowl winning caliber team. They can win the Super Bowl this year, and it wouldn't shock anybody. And obviously, we hope so here on the Lockdown Corner Podcast. But you have the potential with this garbage special teams unit to cost Aaron Rodgers another Super Bowl. And let's be real. He's already has Green Bay's organization on thin ice. If he loses... Not because of defense, not because of offense, because a genie special teams player couldn't tackle somebody, he's for sure going to leave. And nobody would blame him. Because how many times do we have to see the same movie? You need to be, to win, you need to have all three phases locked and loaded. They have two. And unfortunately, special teams, I w- every time they kick the ball, I was scared. I was, whether that's field goals or kickoffs or punts, but Horkes has been awesome, the punter. But no one can tackle. I, oh. If you can tell I'm fired up and you can hear it in my voice, I just I don't understand. I really do not understand. And I saw an article today by Rob Domofsky of ESPN. Well, do they need to put Rasul Douglas and Kevin King and all of our like starters on special teams? If it's come to that, the shit has hit the fan. Then you need to start cutting dudes and finding new guys because really like that is why you have a 53 man roster is to fill special teams. Like like half of that roster is for special teams. Like there's zero excuse why you cannot be good at your one position. It's just I see Equinimus Equinimius St. Brown on punt coverage. And it's just like, oh, of all the guys, like he's the one to make big plays. Literally. He's the only guy I can name who's consistently made tackles. He's a receiver. That's embarrassing. The whole thing is, and look, we can, this whole hour podcast, it probably won't be an hour today, but normally it's an hour. This whole podcast could be about how bad the special team is. That's how fired up I am. But there was a lot of good things. Defense looked a little shaky to begin with, but credit to Matt Nagy and Justin Fields because the, the one thing that the Bears showed weirdly on Sunday, they emptied their bag of tricks. Like, there was creativity, they were running reverses, there was motion. It's just, but, I I mean, I, I again, I don't understand what the game plan was defensively. And they made adjustments, and then they shut that shit down. Bears scored three points in the second half. And, obviously, they were set up pretty well with their special teams. But, and look, I don't want to have the Justin Fields fight. I really don't. But, he looked decent. I mean, objectively speaking, he looked pretty good. I was there were moments I was scared that he was going to make a play with his legs or with his arm because I mean he missed a lot of balls too. Let's not go crazy. 
But I there were moments where I was legitimately scared of the Bears' offense, and that's something I don't think we've experienced in a very long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not – I wouldn't say Justin Fields looked good. Obviously, we don't have to get into it, but I thought, again, he looked oh, he looked okay. Like, he, he did what he was supposed he to do. He, yeah, right. And he he's not – like, and again, like, I can go on all day. Well, I don't think he's going to be this huge, big-time starting quarterback. Like, he did his job. And the motions, like you said, the motions and the running game really helped them out. Like, because yeah. the Packers were forced to spread out because they were going empty set and they're putting motions in with Grant and they didn't know what to do. So they're spreading out. And then that's when the underneath came in. He could use his legs, kind of open everything up. And they were just kind of scrambling because they didn't know what to do, which that's what good offenses do. They force you to open up and they kind of are guessing what's going to happen, which yeah. that's what the Bears forced the Packers to do. I mean, credit to them. They, they had a good game plan coming in. Yeah, and they didn't adjust at half, and that's the sign of bad coaching. Yeah. But, I mean, look, I'll give them credit for the first half because, yeah, there was a lot of creativity. That second half, they didn't adjust. Packers figured it out, and then Fields looked mediocre again. And, again, that's just – and I, I don't want to have this fight, but that's why I believe it's, it is in my opinion that Fields can be good, but he's not getting any help from his coaches. And I don't know if you saw this too, Allen Robinson – uh, it was a Justin Fields scramble. Allen Robinson could have blocked somebody and he could have picked up an extra 15 yards. Robinson literally just went to the bench. Like he just peeled out of bounds and wanted nothing to do with it. Like the team has quit. So I, I, it's hard. And uh, these young quarterbacks are really hard to evaluate. Like Trevor Lawrence, again, back to Jags talk. Urban Meyer is a dope. So is, is Lawrence going? I mean, we were told he's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. It hasn't been that way. But, I mean, can you blame him? His head coach is literally physically assaulting the special teams. Like, so it's it's just hard. But I thought the first half, the Bears showed creativity. I had a little bit of fear of Justin Fields. Like, oh, God, he's going to pick up – it's third and five. He's going to pick this up with his legs because we have no answers right now. But, I mean, and the offense too. Let's talk about the offense a little bit. Rodgers looked locked in. I know he said his toe hurt after the fact. That was the best we've seen that offense look in a very long time. They were going point for point with Chicago for that first half. And the second half, it was over. Forget about it. Yeah, I mean, I know those first couple drives were pretty shaky, though. I mean, just oh, yeah. trying trying to force everything downfield. It was just – it was frustrating. Like I said, I didn't – I was able to watch the first half of the game like in person. I had to listen on the radio, so it was kind of hard to follow along. Like he, they do a good job like talking on the radio, but it's, it's still kind of hard to follow along since I don't listen to a lot of radio football. But it was just it was frustrating to see that they kept trying to throw the ball when they're running. They're get running and they're getting four or five yards carries. Like just keep like get a mix. Like and then they obviously like you said after that they found the rhythm. They were able to kind of go back and forth, find a rhythm where they're going to work with offense. And obviously like after that kind of everything started clicking. And I'm glad you brought up the slow starts because this season specifically, it has been a problem. It has not been in the past. This season, it's been a problem. And you're right, running the football. In that game total, they ran the ball 24 times for 119 yards total as a team. That is Kirk Benkirk taking a knee twice. That is Rodgers running once for nothing. Lazard on an end around for 14, just one. Aaron Jones, 5 for 35, and A.J. Dillon, 15 for 71. They could have and should have ran the ball more. In the second half, they did. And all of a sudden, oh, we're moving change. The fourth quarter, 
I think it was their last scoring drive. They had the ball for almost the entire fourth quarter. It was like 10 minutes. And it just, I don't understand these slow starts. And it's, I mean, it's hard to criticize them too when they put up 35 or well, it's 45 in the scorebook, but they did get help with a pick six. So take that for what it's worth. But you're absolutely 100% right. They need to run the football more, even if it's not working. As we've talked, and you play offensive line. If, yeah, I mean, you're a collegiate football player. If you keep running the ball, you keep pounding, keep grinding, you're going to wear that defense down, and it's going to open up so much for your offense. So to just run the ball 24 times, it, it didn't make sense to me. And now this game was a bit of a shootout. So first half, I mean, they were playing catch-up the whole first half. And again, this is one of those scenarios where you're playing a really crappy Bears team. You can fall behind, and it's not a big deal. You can't fall behind against Kyler Murray. You cannot fall behind against Tom Brady. You can't – well, Dallas is kind of an enigma. I can't really figure the Cowboys out. But if the good Dallas shows up, you can't fall behind against that team because they got weapons they can keep scoring. So the slow starts do concern me, and I'm glad you brought that up. But, I mean, you're you're right. I just keep repeating myself. they got to run the football, and that just sets up everything. That's what they did last year. And I think uh, I think the toughest thing for them to figure out right now is just how to balance Dylan and Jones. Because, I mean, they, they're their – like, obviously, besides Adams, they're their best players. Like, how are you going to find the balance? And, like, I know a couple of years ago, like, when they had a dual back with, like, you know, Williams and Jones, they kind of found a good balance between the two where they would switch off and come in. Like, they didn't – they haven't quite found that. I thought, like, in the second half, they found a good balance to when to throw one another in. Like, they had a better scheme and plan. Because, like I said, this first half, this seemed like they were just kind of throwing guys in for no reason, rhyme. It just didn't make any sense why they were putting them in. Like, they put be putting Jones in, like, a fourth and two, like, or, like, third and two. Like, Dylan should be in that scenario to, like, kind of, like, force some guys to creep up thinking they're going to run the ball. Because then you can do play action. Like, there's so much yeah. that opens up. And, honestly, like I said, it's just it's just player personnel and scheming, I think it is at this point. When they when you can tell, when they figure it out, when they kind of have the right personnel and everything starts flowing. Because it yeah. opens it up. Because they have they have threats, but they just got to use them right. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And I'm looking at Aaron Jones' total touches. The total he had eight touches, two touchdowns, and 65 <laughs> yards. I him not getting as many touches. I think a means AJ Dillon's really running well, so that's also helpful. But also, I do think he's still a little banged up. So I'm yeah. sure they have him in bubble wrap and really don't want him out there if they don't have to, but I mean, and again, they're going to need him come January at this point, they need to win out to get the one seed. I think home field advantage this year is going to make a world of difference. Tampa's not losing at home. I mean, if there was any, any example you needed from Tampa that when they had an overtime, they're not losing at home. Like they just pull miracles out of their butts. Like they are not losing Arizona. With the Packers' playoff history in Arizona, do you really want to go to Arizona? I sure as hell don't. And I, I, Dallas is a long shot at this point. But, I mean, I wouldn't really want to go to Dallas either. Now, again, they're confusing. But I still wouldn't want to go to Dallas. I think if they're at home, this this team is good enough. They can get the job done at home. It's not like last year where they were good, but they still had flaws, especially defensively. All that seems to be shored up. They got, got got to get home field this year now their schedule coming up they're not necessarily cupcakes let me tell you so they start this week they go to baltimore 
That's, I mean, Lamar's banged up, so they get a little bit of a break. It's not going to be an easy game. The Browns, half their team just went down with COVID. So, I mean, who knows about that game? I There's no lines for next week or anything yet, but, I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if the Packers open at 10+. plus. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're at home. Then they are at home against the Vikings, a bit of a revenge game. That game is actually Sunday night football. So another Sunday night spot at home where they have played really well all year. And then they finish at Detroit, which recently has been a house of horrors. They've won, but what was that? Was that last year or the year before they won both games by leading for exactly zero seconds? It was, was two years ago. Yeah, but regardless, Detroit's a tough place for them apparently. So they're not – they're definitely not cream puffs. Tampa's got a cream puff schedule. Tampa's probably going to win out. So you are going to have to win out. All these games matter. But let's look ahead to next week's game. So right now, the Packers are opened as a six-point favorite, which seems about right to me, but that also seems a little high. It's a little scary. I don't know if I'll bet that one this week. Lamar, day-to-day, they're planning on having him out there, but it's going to be a diminished version of him, maybe 80% of him. Their leading rusher, Lamar Jackson. You don't really have to worry about their running backs. Receivers, does Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, really scare you? Not really. Mark Andrews, okay. I mean, the Packers have had a history of struggling with good tight ends, sure. Although Devondre Campbell has shored that up a little bit. And their secondary is, I mean, it's no one's fault. It's just shredded right now between injuries and COVID and everything else going on in the world. It, they got a lot of questionable guys, and I don't know how many are actually going to play. So for that reason, I, I mean, and even ESPN right now has them as a 58.1% in their matchup predictor or whatever. So they give, they're they already giving Green Bay a 59% to win. So I guess, do you have any thoughts on this game? Because I'm still a little confused. I want to see what things look like come Friday and Saturday. But right now, I mean, they're in a really good spot. Yeah, I mean, regardless if if I mean, it doesn't really matter. I guess who plays them for me. I feel like they're gonna take this game because I think they're just the overall better team. Baltimore seems to kind of struggle against. I mean, you look at just all the teams they struggle against this year, especially good defense. It seems like they've really struggled when they get pressure and get good defenses. But I mean, especially with if Lamar isn't at a hundred percent, I mean, then I feel pretty good. Yeah. forcing Lamar to throw and trying to beat us in the air. Like, I feel a little bit better about that rather than having him running on the ground. That's when he's the best. Yeah, and agreed. And I don't really have a lot to say on this game because I think you just nailed it. The only thing that I will say is Baltimore by DVOA has the best special teams in football. That scares me now. That's never anything I had to worry about. But this year I worry about it. Just because I – What? So can we switch with them? Just yeah, take no, I, I just – I don't understand. Oh, that's going to be the part that's stressful. Now, every kickoff and every punt on both sides, I'm, ju- I'm just going to sit and stress. Because if they are in the Super Bowl, that's going to be an issue. And I'm sure there's going to be some trickery or any team that plays them is going to empty the bag, and that's going to put more stress on them and on us watching. So, But anyway, that's our game look ahead. So let's get into all the chaos. They're probably – and actually – I gave my takeoff already, so we will probably skip the takeoff this week. But everyone's favorite segment is Dustin shakes his bottle. I'm going to shake this bag because it is time for... It's time to tempt fate. Hold up! Here's this week's bag 
of Chaos. So to recap, last week, everybody won. Dustin had Tennessee. They were winners. Uh, Alec had the Chargers. They were winners. Sanford, holy shit. Chug, 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 chug. <laughs> oh, my God. Thirsty fella? I didn't eat after the weight room. I'm a little, I'm a little hungry. Oh, I was like, wow. I was going to push through, but I got distracted and mesmerized. Anyway, Sorry, I was, trying, I was trying to finish it before they came back on, but I wasn't quite there. <laughs> uh, and I had San Francisco, who pulled it out of their butts last Sunday against the Bengals. So we all are sitting at four and three, heading into the home stretch here. So Alec has requested to take his second team no matter what. So I, I guess let's check it out. <laughs> so I guess his first pull that he's not keeping, the Rams. Ooh, well, I guess if he doesn't want the Rams, who currently – are, let me find the line here as I am speaking. The Rams are four and a half point favorites at home against Seattle. He said throw it back. So I guess, uh, I guess this is what it is. I mean, that's what he said. I have text verification and oh boy. Oh boy. The Raiders. The Raiders are. A one point actually that changed because of all the COVID stuff. So the Raiders are actually a one point favorite now in Cleveland as they take on the a pretty decimated Browns team. So I mean, maybe an upgrade because Seattle's got that upset potential, but Alec is going to take Vegas because that's what he requested. So there we are. All right. Dustin is up. And Dustin will select. The Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater and company coming off a huge win against, well, against the Lions. This week they are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Cincinnati. What say you? Don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. Even with Burrow not being 100%, I just – I don't trust Denver. I just don't trust them. Like, they're just a team that I just think that just cannot get it right every week. I'm with you. And you get Seattle, four and a half point underdogs. Bitch. Oh, boy. All four right. and a half point underdogs against the Rams this weekend. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> now, shake it up. And I will be selecting after a good rummage because everyone knows I like a good rummage. All right. What do I got here? Tampa. Please tell me they're at home. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing – where are they hiding? Oh, they are an 11 – I mean, you can't do much better than this. They are 11-point favorites at home against the Saints. Lock that in. I like that a lot. Keeping it. That seems – that I actually might put real money on the money line for that one because that seems as close to a lock as there has ever been. I don't know. The Saints look pretty good. Camara's back. Taysom Hill's playing pretty well. I don't know. I just – Tampa doesn't lose at home. And they're averaging, I think, on the big five, and I'm sure that number changed now. But, I mean, they don't they don't lose at home, and they put up about 38 points at home. I don't think the Saints can match that. So, I like that a lot. Yes. I am thrilled. <laughs> all right. Well, that was the bag of chaos. We're all sitting at four and three. Let's recap this. Alec has Vegas, Dustin has Seattle, and I have 
Tampa this week. We're not doing the takeoff. So I guess that brings us then to this week's, if you even have one prepared. It's time to get wacky. It's time for Random Packer of the Week. All right, Dustin, are you prepared? If not, that is okay. I can be prepared. I mean, I can be prepared, too, if you would like. Uh, Hey, it's up to you. Whenever you're ready. I'll go. And I feel bad because I think someone said this, but we're going to say him again then. My random pack of the week is Donald Driver. I don't think – I think – again, this is one of those times I think you play a different game than me and Alec do. I think you, they're like way too good to be random. Like I'm looking here, I just type in typed in a random year of Packer before the show, and I typed in 1995, the year I was born, and I got lots of good ones. I got Ty Detmer. I got there's a Mark Ingram apparently, a wide receiver, a different Mark Ingram. Well, every time I give you guys a really random name, you always say, "What's that?" Well, because. I, the game we're playing, A Peek Behind the Curtain, Alec and I are playing a game of random, but not, like, good random. Like, kind of a, like, literally random. Like, oh, that's, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as Chris points out in the chat here, he wants to get wacky. Donald Driver's not wacky. He's 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 a Packer Hall of Famer. Okay, I'll rescind. You can go. I'll rescind. I'll go. All right, I will give you a little bit of time. I'm going to go with tight end, and the only reason I remember this name is I watched a Brett Favre documentary. I'm going to say tight end Keith Jackson, number 88. Uh, I don't really have a lot of stats or anything, but Keith Jackson, tight end, backers, 1995. I know there wasn't a lot of help because I know I'm still stalling for you. So while I'm stalling, let me just tell you, if you don't know where to find us, you can find us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe there as we're about to wrap up the show here. Subscribe to YouTube. You will get notifications when we are live. As it, as of right now, it's been a little – it's either Wednesday or Thursday for the most part. Now with holidays coming up, it might be a little different because obviously we have family stuff going on. But make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Either way, you will get all the notifications. Big L's Big Five will return this weekend. Sean dominated again. 5-0. and oh, He will be back for his third consecutive week, tying Dustin's record. So we'll see if he can beat Dustin's record this week. But that is a YouTube exclusive, so check that out there. Make sure that you also subscribe to Facebook. Facebook is where we are doing a lot of our news gathering and news sharing, so make sure you are tuned in and plugged into our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at Corner Lockdown. Alec has kind of taken over the Twitter sphere. We are talking potentially about getting a TikTok, but we will update you as we go there. Uh, again, just projects in the works as we're trying to keep our core Lockdown Corner podcast, but also try and extend our reach so we can bring more people into Lockdown Nation and grow this thing because obviously we care about it and we care about you that watch us, that care about us. So thank you again. And also, of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And hey, before Dustin says his Random Packer of the Week, we have a comment. Billy Schrader, wonderful Random Packer of the Week. I play softball against him. He's he's um he's competitive. Let's say. So. Anyway, we're rolling on, Dustin. What do you got? Close us out with a banger. All right, fine. And this is 
again, I don't know how random this is for you guys, but Nick Perry, linebacker from USC. It's random, but again, he might a little, be- little bit, a little bit new, a little bit new, but he's a very forgettable person. Um, yeah, and we, and maybe I'm just biased because I'm pretty sure I was the only one to buy his T-shirt jersey when he was drafted. So like Nick Perry's a name that's like lodged in my brain. So yeah, you know what? Good enough. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> that will do it for us here on the Lockdown Corner. Thank you for watching. As always, do it and subscribe to everything I already said. I won't go over that again. Big game against Baltimore this week. Hopefully, we come back with good news. And my God, do we both hope that the special teams doesn't blow this game for us because they need it. Win out, and you get the one seed. But that's why they play the games, as Chris Berman always says. And on that note, enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy all your last-minute holiday shopping. And as always... Ho, ho!